Amen. Thank you, Lord. Um, well, th- this morning, we're going to carry on, and uh, actually, we're actually bringing to a close our series we've been in called Sacred Things, and um, it's been a joy and honor as we've gone through this. I hope you've gotten rid of some things and some ideas and things that we've thought were so sacred and so valuable to us. Uh, we, we've been looking at things in our lives that we just hold dear, and we're like, this is what I need, and, and we've used different things like closets and garages and and stuff in our home, physical things, but it's also emotional things that we hang on to that we think are so near and dear. And what we wanted to do in our heart in this is to say, what is sacred to God? What is it that God says is really, this is valuable to him? Because let, let, me, let me tell you why. We want to set our hearts and minds on things that are eternal, not simply things that are temporal. Because the things that are eternal will last forever. The things that are temporal are temporary. That's a good word. If you don't have that in your vocabulary, you might want to put that in there because when you're going through something, you really need to look at it and go, is this eternal or is this temporary? Because we need to operate accordingly with that principle. Now, uh, this is what we said sacred is. It's holy. It's another word for it. It's cadet set apart, holiness, apartness, where God, you formed and fashioned me for a purpose. And there are things that we've looked at that were specifically designed. He has specific purposes of what he was doing that. We took uh, our scripture we've been standing on, Galatians 2.8, says this, see to it that no one takes you captive. Another one, no one puts a stranglehold, no one gets you, locks you up emotionally, locks you up spiritually. There are all types of things that try to lock us down. And it says, see to it that no one, that no one takes you captive through the hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ, because it's all about him. And so we, we're setting our course, and today we're going to land this plane uh, as we unpack this last one. But I, just to run over real quick where we've been, and we'll land it here today and unpack the one we have for today. Here's where we've been, sacred things. The first one was names. The name of Jesus is above every other name. There's no other name whereby we can be saved. In other words, if you're trusting in anything or anybody to get you above the sun, if you're trusting in your good deeds, if you're trusting in, in something you've done, it will never. Or, likewise, if you think that what you've done is going to keep you from getting above the sun. This is powerful for you because it's all about what he's done. And so the name of Jesus is what God's given us, the life it represents. We, we set our course and our heart and our trust 100% in him. The second one we looked at was the word of God because it is the foundation. It stands true. It will never pass away. It is his word, not anybody else's. And he left it for us. It's perfect, powerful, and will last forever. So if you're going to believe something, believe the word of God 100%. And then the next thing we said, prayer is sacred. And we, I asked y'all back then, it's been a few weeks, but remember, sometimes when we pray, we feel like they don't make it through the ceiling. You know, we're like, I'm praying, and I feel like, God, we don't have this divine connection. And really, that's what prayer is all about. It's our way of communicating. It's a conversation with God. And we know in conversations, it's two ways. That, Lord, I do share with you, but also I listen. Lord, share with me. What's your heart? What do you want to do? And so it's our way of openly communicating with God. That's nothing more, nothing less. I know when we talk about prayer, the one thing people struggle with the most is, 
praying out loud in front of people. Anybody ever had a struggle with that? Like, if we would say, hey, pray, and you're like, I'll do that quietly with Jesus and me and not y'all. Because you're afraid you're going to say the wrong thing or something. You can't. It's between you and God. And so that's a beautiful thing. And then then we went on into, and uh, Patrick, he did a great job, one of our elders, on relationships. And relationships are connecting with God and others. It takes time and intentionality to do that. It, it, it's not always easy. And, and God says the same thing, but God knew what he was getting into when he chose you and he chose me. And so we're good. Then we said uh, the body of Christ, and that's us, the church. And we said the body of Christ is not a place. It is a people. We're the people of God, every one of us. We get to connect to God. We get to connect to each other. And that's how God's going to use us to make a difference. God empowers and equips us to change the world. Let me say this to you. You are the hope of the world. Your plan A, there is no plan B. So wherever, whatever sphere you find yourself in, whatever place, whatever, whatever signs hanging on the door where you go Monday through Friday or Saturday or Sunday, whatever, whatever you call work, Whatever that place is, you're there as a part of the body of Christ to change that place. It changes because you're there. It's better because you're there. And that's what God's always intended to do through the church. And then um, a couple weeks ago, we had um, the whole thing of the tithe, this thing of people and money. You know, we get crazy and we start thinking about my life. All they want is my money. It's like, no, Jesus ain't after your money. He's after you. He's because if he gets you, he's got it all. And so we we found out we give to God through the church. We don't give anything here. Um, and then and demonstrates our trust in Him. Tithing is a very faith principle to say, do I really trust? How much do I trust? Are you able to give to to bless back what I've already given to you? And so we encourage. I challenge you to do that. And then last week we had Dr. Ferris Hill and. Had a little booster shot, just a little fun time. But today we're gonna we're gonna take this, land this thing on one of the most sacred things of all. And I've saved this for last because it's one that I want you to get in your heart, in your spirit, and that is life. Life is sacred. We're living in a culture where never before has it been where people are devaluing life. And people are coming to the place where I don't want my life. There's more attempts of suicide. There's more attempts of things where people are struggling with real life emotions. Real things that are coming at them. And life is the one thing that God loves to give. He is the author of it, as we'll see in just a moment. But I thought we'd do this. I thought, let's make it a little personal for you and me. And I've got some questions for you. And I want you to think about them. If if my life... If my life were a book, if my life were a book, what would it, oh, I, uh-oh, it would be a, if my life were a book, it would be a, what kind of book would it be? Would it be a mystery? <laughs> would it be fiction? Would it be a comic? You know, it's got, woo, okay. <laughs> what kind of book would it be if my life were a book? Think about that. What kind of life, what, kind, what would your life be if it were a book? You're like, mm, <laughs> a horror story. <laughs> Woo! You know. <laughs> Adventure. It could be anything. Okay, well, hold it. Don't, don't throw them all out. If, if, if my life were a movie, 
<laughs> if my wife were a movie, it would be a <laughs> action and adventure. Dun, dun, you know, James Bond, here we go. It would be, it would be a, a Western. <whistles> boom, boom, boom. <laughs> what, 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 kind of, what kind of movie would it be a, a, a you know, a suspense? Like, oh, I don't know what's going to happen next. You know, it could be any number if it was a book. And then finally, I got one more to ask you just to have a little fun. If my life were a car. It would be a Maserati, it would be a Volkswagen bus, watch out y'all, it would be a a touring sedan where we just gonna cruise through life y'all, I don't know what y'all thinking, it would be a a four wheel drive because we running over everything, we don't care, a monster truck, we just roll over people, Um, or here's a good one, it would be a a Yugo, anybody remember the Yugo? Sometimes you go, sometimes you don't, you know, that whole thing. <laughs> what kind of car would your life be if it would be? And, um, you know, just to have a little fun with that. But here, here's some things I want to share. Some you know, and some you may not know about this word life. First of all, the one you do, and that's found in Genesis 2, where we see God is the creator. The Lord God formed man of dust from the ground and breathed in his nostrils. What? The breath of life. And the man became a living being. So God, and we've looked at that word breath, it means spirit, it means pneuma, uh, or in the, in the Hebrew it means ruach, but it's he breathed. How many know God's never stopped breathing? God's never stopped breathing from the first day he breathed the breath of life into man. It's still his breath. The breath that's going in and out of your and my lungs, it's still his breath. And that belongs to everybody. That belongs to all your, all your siblings, your relatives. It also belongs to all your little fur babies that y'all, some people so lovingly, your little kitty cats and your little doggies and, or big ones. It's the breath of life. God continually Gives us that breath. And he goes on. That's when we become a living, breathing. Now, check this out. Because I want you to get this. God had formed them. They're sitting here perfectly. Adam is perfectly formed. There's nothing else that needed. Like, he's got his eyes. He got his ears. He's got, you know, he's ripped. You know, I believe, you know, Adam was buff personally. Like, he had, he had a, he was, he was created with a six pack. God's a great sculptor. Like, like me, you know, I mean, no. I'm like, Help us, Jesus. Like a one pack, that's right. No, um, so he he uh, he sculpted him, but he's sitting there perfect, and all of a sudden God says, "Oh no, he ain't ready. He's just sitting here, just a big old lug looking guy." And like, and so he caused him to come to life. The second thing is in Genesis two. This is where it kind of gets interesting. We go a little further. Two seven says he does that. Two nine, just two. Verses later, it says, the Lord God made all kinds of trees. We went from making a man out of the ground, breathing life, to trees. And this is where it gets interesting because he throws trees and men together. And he goes, okay. And and by the way, right now, there's some men right now that are in trees today, right now, because of yesterday. (laughs) Some of y'all don't know it's the beginning of hunting season. So there are men sitting in trees going, here, right here. So with the With that, he created the trees to grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. 
in the middle of the garden were the tree of life. Mmm. What a tree. And the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, our freedom groups have just, we've just been in the trees and we're just coming out of the trees right now. Where's my freedom group people? Y'all had a good time. Let's hear it up for them. Like, uh-huh. And if you haven't been there yet, hey, there's, it's too late to join the freedom group this, this semester. But next semester, we encourage you, we're going to learn about trees there. But what we found out in these trees was, again, in Genesis chapter 2, a little bit further, we read down verses 16 and 17. And this is where it gets interesting. This is where life begins to take a turn all over trees. And it says this, and the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree. Like you can have it all. Go. You can have apple, oranges, nuts, you know, whatever. Almonds have at it. Eat any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will, maybe kind of, sort of, you will certainly die. Do you get that he wasn't trying to leave that an open-ended question? This may happen. It could. I mean, there's some things that are going to go wrong. You will certainly you will die. It's going to happen. And so that's where, when we look at it, that's when we look at, hold it, that's when life began to break up for us. That's when it, that's when we ran into this dilemma. And some people have asked, why did God give Adam and Eve a choice? <laughs> like, you got this good tree, you got this tree of knowledge and evil, and then you got this. And the problem was this, is this. That he never wanted us to know good and evil. He wanted us to know life. Just him. I don't have to know good. I just need to know him. This is what we do. This tree plays out in our life every day if we're not careful. Even as believers. Because we look at things good, evil, good, evil. We look at people. Good, evil, good. Instead of looking at life and say, hey, God's given me his life. Now, I get to share that with others, and I get to make a difference in somebody else's life. So, this thing, this word life, when you look it up in the original language in Hebrew and Greek, these are some things you may not know. There are many words. When you say life, it don't just mean life. It means all kinds of different life. And we're going to look at just three of those this morning. And the first we're going to look at, the word life is Zoe, divine, supernatural, spiritual, eternal life, Zoe life. That thing that goes on and on and on and on, it never stops. It stays continual, this thing of eternal life that God gives us, this Zoe, divine life. That's what, that's, there's a scripture that's represented here in Ephesians 2, 1 and 2. It says, as for you, um, the, the, after they ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, this is what happened. Man died, but the problem was he didn't just instantly die. He said, you shall certainly die, but he didn't say you're going to instantly die. But there were certain things that happened. The first thing was death in its essence is separation from God. I want you to get this because we think death is this body running out of gas. In some way, either, you know, air expiring, heart stopping. We think that's death. And I'm going to tell you this morning, that's not death. That's just this body stopping because there's an eternal life that each one of us have. It's a spiritual thing that if we're not careful, we give more to this flesh. But the spiritual is 
is forever. It separates us from God. So when Adam and Eve bit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, instantly they were separated from God. Their, their sin, everything's like, oh no. Now I don't feel the closeness. I don't feel the warmth. I feel the separation. And so what happens is, this is what Ephesians tells us, as for you, you were dead. Me, we were dead in our transgressions and sins. They separated us from him. And this morning, maybe you're in here and you feel separated from God. Maybe you feel like, I just don't feel connected. I've tried and I've, I've done stuff. I've got good news. You're in a great place today in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. In other words, there is a force that's trying to get, keep us separated from God. It's real. He's trying to do everything he can to separate you and I from our heavenly father. And you'll see in just a moment that he can't do that. We, we got to give him that. So what happens is when man fell, what they began to do instead of having their place with God and having this eternal connection with him, they began, we began to use two things to try to make up for it, to, to bridge the gap, to clothe ourselves. And this is what they were. We tried to use, uh, we try to find life in positions and possessions. In other words, we try to position ourselves and say, look at me, I'm good, I'm okay, everything's fine. We, we, we put everything together like, hey, ain't nothing wrong here, y'all. It's all good. We put on good faces. Like, like to be honest, like you could have a knockdown drag out on the way to church, but when you show up here, like, hey, hey, it's all good. Woo. And I'll tell you this, I've said it, I will continue to say it. Church is never meant to be a place where we come and display our goodness. It's a place where we come and receive his goodness. He changes us in here so that when we go out there, we just take, we just, it's an overflow of an inward flow. We're just like, Lord, do your work in me so I can do it. So what we'll do is we'll try to take our position and we'll, we'll, we'll put ourselves in platitudes and say, I'm better. And we're like, <laughs> well, you can't be as good as I am. And so we'll carry ourselves if we're not careful. We'll put ourselves in a place and then we'll use our possessions to separate us from other people. We'll say, hey, no, 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 you can't, you can't be around here. Uh-uh. Instead of saying, Lord, we all belong with you. And so that's the first one, this eternal life, this separation that we experience from his life, from the, from what I like to call the God life. The second word for life that we're going to look at is this suja right here. And that is psychology. That is first the one is spiritual. The second one is our soul life. Like you've got a place inside you. It's called your mind, your will, and your emotion. Your mind, your will, and your emotion. How many of you know those can play tricks on you? It's where we get psyche. It's where we, we get, woo, psychosis. We get all kind of crazy. We've got to be careful because when we fell, when man fell, that was part of the fall. Our mind and our will emotions began to seek after other things. That's what it says here in um, the word for life. In that word is Matthew 16, 25. He said it this way. If you try, if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, Jesus says you will save it. And this word try, this is what's happened. Is after man fell, we went first 
our, our spiritual life, we're going to go because we've had the status of, hey, I'm, I'm one with him. So when we lost that, we used our position and uh, possession. The second thing with the, with the mind, the will, and the emotions, this is what we did. We went to performance. So in the church, what we do is we try to do a lot of good things to try to make up for bad things. And so when, you're, when we're in a fallen state, there's not enough good things we can do to make up for any bad we've done. It's like the little boy that, um, that used to uh, use, use some, some rather foul language. And uh, his teacher told him, said, look, every time you say a bad word, I want you to go nail a hole. And I want you to go put a nail in the fence. Anytime you talk bad about your, your mom, your dad, your brother, your sister, anytime you use that, I want you to take and put a, a nail in it. So he did. He went and put all these nails in it. And he said, now every time you take something good, say something good, I want you to pull the nail out. And he goes, okay, I'll do it. I'm going to pull the nail out. He pulled the nail out. And he looked and said, see, no more nails. <laughs> but there were a whole bunch of holes that he had, had left behind because he thought, I'll just do a bunch of good stuff to make up for bad things. And this is what Jesus did. We'll see in just a moment. He took care of that. If you've been on the treadmill of life thinking, I just can't, I can't do enough good stuff. I just tried. I feel miserable. Today is a great day for you to be in church because today you can be set free from all that striving and, and allow him to do his work in us. The third word is this word that we call bios. It's where we get our life, our, our word biology. It's the study of life. It's physical life. Everybody remember biology class? I don't want to, you know, for you people that are history and, and artsy, you know, biology was your nightmare, <laughs> math and biology stuff. But it is where this is our physical life, that we are physical in this world, and that part even failed. Do you know that Adam lived to be 930 years old? That's why I said he was buff. When I'm talking about he, man, it kept going. Some of us, we struggle. We we get up to, you know, this, this thing of our 50s, and then you get into the 60s, and a little further, and we're like, oh, man. I'm like, he, he's still, this Adam, he's just going, hey, man, let's go. We're just getting started. I love how Joshua and Caleb, back then, they, they were 80, and they said, let, let, uh, he said, hey, Caleb said, let me have the mountain. I want to go up there. Just getting started. And so we're going to see how Jesus even redeemed that, but this this thing of, of life and the physical life, this is what it says, uh, the scripture is Luke eight fourteen, where it uses that word. It says the seeds, and this is talking about the sower of the seed. If you're not familiar, go read that in Luke 8. It says the seeds that fell among the thorns represents those who hear the message, the good news of, of Jesus dying for our sin, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the cares and riches, and pleasures of this world. And so they never grow into maturity. Now listen, the first one, the spiritual life, we try to cover ourselves with position and possession. The second one, this, this, this soul life, we try to perform to make ourselves feel better about ourselves. The third one is this physical life, this is how we try to get by, it's through pleasure. We try to find life in pleasure. Like I'm going to do enough fun things to make myself feel good, whatever it is. And so I'm going to plan every day. I'm going to just do fun, 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 fun. It's like a, you know, it's like a little, one of them little children at a carnival. It's like, oh, I want to go over here. And I want some cotton candy. And I want this. And I want a hot dog. And I want a pickle. And I want all, and I'm, I just want it all. Just give me, give me, give me. So we think by the amount of stuff we put in and the amount of things we do, the pleasurable thing, 
We can cover our life and be satisfied with simply pleasure alone. And we know it does not work. So how did Jesus settle all three of those? Those were the three we lost when we when Adam failed. That's what we lost. We lost our this eternal thing, uh, this eternal connection with God. And our spirits became dead or they became dull. And it's like, oh, they, our minds got clouded, our heart. Then we lost our, our, our emotional connection, like, Lord, I belong to you, you belong to me. And then we lost our, our sense of, hey, I'm accepted. I'm at peace with myself and began to look for pleasures outside of God and our relationship. So life's not found in any of those. We say this, life is found in a person. It's not found in position and possessions. It's not found um, simply by our performance. And it's not found in pleasure. It's found in a person. And it's found in Jesus. That's what Jesus said in John 14, 6. He says, uh, uh, Thomas, one of his disciples, he was telling him he's fixing to go away to prepare a place for him that you'll be forever. This, you know, I love, I love some of the analogies people use for this, our time here on earth. Like, if you got 120 years here on this planet, like 120, that's a long time. Some of y'all are like, I don't want that long. I'm good. I don't, want, I don't know what that's going to look like. But if you got that, in the scheme of eternity, that's like a, a weekend. Like one weekend. And so we got to be careful we don't put everything into our temporal and not focus on the eternal. Jesus said it this way. He answered Thomas. He said, Thomas said, we don't know where you're going. How do we know the way? And Jesus said, hey... I got you, Thomas. Let me help you. I am the way. I am the truth. And then he said, I am the life. You know what that word life there is? Zoe. The eternal. The the spiritual. He restores our connection to him. The divine life. We get to have that. Um, And so when we look at what John 63 says that, and then John 10.10, it says the same thing. Uh, or no, John 6, 63, the spirit gives life, that Zoe life, the flesh counts for nothing, the words I have spoken to you, they are full of spirit and life, and then I love John 10, 10, this is what it says, the thief, very familiar to many of us, the thief, what we said is there's an enemy of our soul that wants to keep us separated from him, and he'll use all four of those things I've mentioned, he'll use possession, he'll use position. He'll use whatever he can. He'll use pleasure. He'll use performance. If he can't get you engrossed in, he'll get you so wrapped up in trying to do things to be right with God, you'll just miss the whole connection. But he said, the thieves come only to kill, to steal, kill, and destroy. And Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Now, I love what the message says. That's good. But this is the message breaks it down a little bit better in this and says, hey... I want you, the thief comes in the, um, in 1010. A thief is only there to do one thing. Somebody shows up in their thief. They're trying to get a few things. They only are there to steal, kill, and destroy. He said, I came that they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. Let me say to you, if you haven't experienced that, I'm telling you, today's a great day experience, that real, eternal life that I ever dreamed of. I know in my own life, I thought I knew what life was. I thought I was living it up. Many of you did the same thing. Before you accepted Jesus, you had it going on. You was it. You had all the stuff. I had a nice car. I had all this stuff. But it was a facade. 
It wasn't until I met Jesus where I was like, that's what real life is. This is what it feels like to be alive. And the second one, we're going to keep moving. The whole suzo, the psychology, soul for your mind, will, and emotion. Jesus came to restore that too, just in case you're wondering. In Matthew 6, 25, it says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. Uh-oh. Somebody might get convicted over that one. Worry? Worry is my best friend. I hang out with it. It stays with me wherever I go. I worry about this. I worry about that. I worry, about, I worry, 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 worry what people think. I worry what I'm wearing. I'm going worry all these things. And Jesus said, don't worry about that. I got you. And this is the word. Don't worry about your life. Don't worry about that emotional that drains you. Come on, how many be honest? Just getting dressed in the morning, what to put on. You know, that's why, that's why people that have uniforms like, I don't have to worry. I'm just sticking it on. Here we go into work. But if you don't, you're like, okay, th- oh no, this one, th- no, this makes me look bad. Oh no, this one, this one does this. Oh no, I can't, can't wear that. No, this doesn't. They'll worry all over what they have to put on. And Jesus said, don't worry about that. Let your mind be free from that. What you will eat and drink. You know, what am I going to have for lunch? What am I going to have for dinner? Or about your body, what you will wear is not life. And that's the Zoe life. More than food and the body, more than clothes. Jesus came to restore that. That's why it says in um, in First uh, Corinthians two sixteen, in Isaiah, Isaiah, God speaking through the prophet Isaiah says, "Who has known the mind of the Lord? Who has been able to teach Him?" And then Paul in First Corinthians two sixteen he says, "But we have the mind of Christ." Listen, when you give your life over to Him, you get. The, the, the inside, the, the, the peace, the joy, the, the fruits of the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, 22 and 23. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control, faith. You get those to operate on the inside. It's something that grows in you. Just remember this. Gifts are given. Fruit is grown. As you just say, he just grows that out of you. It's not something I work for. It's not something I pray for. I don't pray for love, joy, peace, patience. Lord, give me love. I, it's through Jesus. I, I gave it to you 2,000 years ago. Hey, remember I gave that to you? Give me joy. Oh, it's through him. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Oh, give me peace. Oh, I'm your peace. He gave it to us so it grows in us just to help you out and encourage you. He's given us his mind. And then finally, this physical body. So we went spiritual. We went emotional. Let's go physical for those of you who say, does it work there too? He, he redeemed it all. That's what it says right here in Romans chapter 8. This bios, this physical life. The Spirit of God. Romans 8, 11, Who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. If you've given your life to Christ and you've, you've accepted His life and His grace, He's given you His life. And so His Spirit that raised, the same Spirit raised Him that lives in your mortal body. And then it says this, raised Christ Jesus from the dead, He will give life. Zoe, he'll give you life to what? Your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. How many want some of that life? Like, I need, I need some of that. I need that one to, to help that physical thing. And you wake up in the morning and something just, oh, what, what happened? Something just went out. <laughs> you didn't even do anything. You're like, hold it. I, I was just trying to get, oh, what, what happened? 
That happened to me the other day. I wasn't even, I was playing with my grandkids. I wasn't doing anything real crazy. It wasn't like horsey rides all day or anything. But I just went and turned. We, we were playing tennis with a three-year-old and a, and a one-and-a-half-year-old, or actually almost two, and, we're, and they're just trying to swing. And I was like, no, go like this. And I went, Phoop, and I went, mm, mm, like this, ooh. <laughs> and it kind of went up, and it kind of stuck there. And I went, what did I just do? I just, I just swung a racket. You know what? It only lasts a little while. I said, that is not right. I didn't do it. No, I went, come on, let me show you how to hit this ball. Because they like me. They like to see G-Paw slap it way high in the air, go above the trees, this old green tennis ball. And they're like, wow. Like, yeah. So I just say to you, Jesus even redeemed us by his spirit, our physical life. And I want to ask you this morning, have you experienced that divine Zoe spirit life where he, he connects you to himself, where there's no separation. There's nothing that can separate you from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. Nothing at all. It can't happen. That's what, what in, uh, I want to, I want to show you this last one. I want to, I want to leave you with this last question or this last thing, this last statement. If you were to say, my life, my life is, what would you put that in? My life is, and you were to go on, and you can answer that to yourself. I just want you to think about this for you. My life is. Ask yourself, what is your life? Have you given it over to him? Because my life can be a struggle. Jesus said in this world, we're going to have problems. This is below the sun and above the sun thing. But he helps both our above and our below. His spirit came. He came that we could have his life. Not my life, his life. And I say this. This is my answer when I say my life is Christ. That's my life. See, I tell people all the time, I'm never going to die, (laughs) y'all. I'm not going to die. It can't happen. There's no way I can die. And some of y'all are like, Mark, you are crazy, brother. You are nuts. The Bible says... It's appointed unto man to die once. February the 9th, 1986, I died. Oh, I didn't go on an operating table. I don't have one of them, you know, clear. It wasn't none of that. February the 9th, 1986, I came into this congregation. And at the end of the service, they said, who wants to give their life to Christ? I came right here at this altar. Over 33 years ago. And I said, God, I've made a mess of this life. If you can do anything with it, it's yours. I give it to you. I died that day. I said, I give up everything I want and who I am and what I am. Lord, I give it to you. And you know what happened? I became alive that day. That's when Jesus said, well, I'm going to give you everything I am and everything who I am. Boom. There you go. I was like, woo! 33 years later, I'm still excited at what God's doing. And I want to challenge you this morning. If you can't say my life is Christ, my life is his, my life is hidden with him, this would be a great day to say, Lord, I give it to you. And I'm going to ask you if you would real quickly, just bow your heads with me in here. I want you to think about that. And the only reason I ask you to bow your head and close your eyes is it's the only way I know you can get alone in a crowded room. first question I want to ask you, have you settled your eternity? 
Have you settled that? And I'm going to tell you, if you're trying to figure that out on your own, you can't settle it. Jesus already settled it 2,000 years ago. That's the whole reason He said, I came that they may have life and have it more abundantly. I came to give you real eternal life. That's why He came. Have you done that? Have you said, Lord, I give you my life. Here it is. It's yours. Take it. And in return, I receive your life. That's what we call Zoe life. Or maybe you're struggling what I like to call below the sun with, with the Suzos, the, the psychology, the, 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 the soul life, the mind, the will, and the emotions. Have you given that over to Him? Are you allowing things to crowd out the life of Christ because of worry and fear and doubt and frustration and all the things that this life tries to send at us? Jesus overcame it all and He wants to help you do the same. But it's only in surrender to Him that we do that. He came that we may have life. And then thirdly, maybe your physical life. Maybe you got some physical challenges that are real. They're real. But Jesus said he'll quicken our mortal bodies by the very same Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. He'll quicken it. Maybe you're this morning and you say, I need to quicken. Lord, quicken my body. I need that. Thank you, Lord Jesus. If that's you and you say first and foremost, I, I feel this separation from God, but I don't want to be separated anymore. I'm going to ask you to do me a favor and just slip your hand up wherever you are. Say, well, I feel separated. I, I, I want to be connected. Anybody else? Raise your hand. Thank you, Lord. Anybody else? I feel separated from my Heavenly Father. I want to come back. Lord, I want to be connected to you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Y'all, let's pray. Father God, everybody pray with me out loud. Father God, I recognize there are things that I've said and things that I've done that displeases you. As an act of my will, I choose to give you my life this morning. Jesus, here's my life. In return, Lord, I receive your life. Come and have your way and your will in me. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Lord. That's the first one. Praise God. Okay, second one. Here's another one. Like I said, Maybe you're here and you're like, my emotions are running away, Mark. They are way out of control. But I want them to be settled this morning. If that's you, I'm just going to ask you to slip your hand up. Lord, that's me. Lord, I've allowed things to creep in. Financial stress. Maybe the worry of your children. It could be any number of things that weigh on you. It could be your future. It could be anything that the enemy would try to use to separate you from the peace and the power of God. This morning, I want to pray with you this morning. Thank you, Lord God. Anybody else? We're going to pray. Y'all, let's pray this out loud. Father God, I recognize that life is found in you you alone. That you gave your life, Jesus, so that I could have your life. And I choose as an act of my will to lay down all those things that are screaming at me. And I, and, and I tune my voice, I tune my ears 
to hear from you. Holy Spirit, speak to me. Use me how you see fit in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And then finally, your physical body. There are people here that need a touch from God. And we will do a couple things after we dismiss. There will be people up here that will pray and anoint you with oil. If you have a physical ailment in your body, that we will. That's, that's scriptural. James 5, 14 and 15. We will be glad to be up here and pray and anoint you with oil. And uh, we'll do that at the end of the service. Right now in just a moment when we dismiss. But I want you to think about this. Jesus said in his word, he'll quicken your mortal body. The same spirit that was able to bring Jesus back from the dead, cause him to walk out after being dead three days, he'll quicken. That's some power. We need that power to operate. And he'll do that this morning. Amen. I'm going to ask you this time if you'd stand up with me. Thank you, Lord God. I want to remind you, if you, if you made any decision this morning, to say, look, I'm committing my life to Christ. I'm recommitting my life to Christ. It's a joy. We'd love to, to take you on that journey. If you would just fill that out as place it, you know, put a check wherever it needs to be, put that in there or hand it to me. It would be an honor to take you on that next step to where you experience that powerful life that Jesus came and gave to us. I would love to do that with you. Amen. And then, like I said, those who have ailments in their body, if you'll come forward afterwards, we want to anoint you and pray for you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Lift your hands. I'm going to ask those team, the prayer folks, if you'll come up because we're going to do that after we dismiss people, those who are going to be praying. Hallelujah. Just open your hands, receive from him. Father God, you're the one who commanded blessing to be spoken over your people that in so doing, your name might be placed on them and you in turn would do the blessing. And so I say to each one of you, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord lift the light of his countenance on you and give you his peace. In Jesus' name, amen.